This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Is it Wednesday? I don't know what day it is. Welcome to episode 77.5 of the ABZ Football Podcast. Um, in the first ever attempt at us doing this, we're going to give you some live reactions tonight to the goings on at Rugby Park. So it's halftime. Halftime's just gone. I'd say it's just gone. Gav's been away in the toilet for the last five minutes before we got here. So halftime, Kamark 2, Aberdeen 0, Jaints, if you can... Just sum up that opening 45 minutes at Rugby Park. We're going to have to include a trigger warning in this episode now, are we? I think so. Well, yeah, trigger warning and following on from what Gavin was doing, shite. <laughs> <laughs> that is, without question, what I was doing. Um, what more is there to say? Yeah, game summed up. We can call it a day now. See you guys at full time. Woeful. Absolutely woeful stuff, isn't it? Um, I think I've been quite vocal and you know, that... Uh, a manager needs time and blah, 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 blah. Try to keep it concise because obviously we've got the second half to get to. But um, off the back of that first half, defensively in possession, uh, we've offered absolutely nothing in the attack apart from, you know, one or two Ryan Duncan runs. Uh, I sense that if this, the only positive result from this is if we turn this around by some minor miracle and get a win, uh, anything else is unacceptable and, I think it actually will put our board in a, a sticky situation of, you know, coming up to a pivotal point of the season. Um, do we stick or twist going into January? Graham? It's going to be quite the halftime team talk from one James Michael Goodwin if we do get something out of this. We've been setting aside tactics, formations, all the rest of it. We just don't even look like we're arsed. Um, I, I got I got to assume Coulson was injured or not 100% before he was hooked because he was way off the pace but just across the board there just doesn't seem to be any application or effort and then you get nonsense like the goal where a seasoned professional like McCrory thinks he's going to have time to take a touch before trying to clear it and then you've got Matty Kennedy um, making Taylor look like he could have probably gotten to that Argentina World Cup winning team absolutely pathetic across the board I can't think of anyone that I'm actually impressed with or is even just doing the basics what garbage as i believe yeah. they say um uh, how many goals do i have to watch aberdeen concede where it's the root cause is one of our players being possession of a ball and obviously under the impression that opposition players are not on the pitch and will not be interested in you know nicking in for a tackle or getting a shot away in the penalty box um and then you know the the second goal it's a long throw we're set up defensively and the ball goes back out to Taylor, as Graham says. And so then our players decide to just 
completely abandoned the shape and their positions. And lo and behold, Defender, um, the boy, right, I think his name is. Yeah, Joe Wright. Completely free. Miofsky should do better. Miofsky should see him. But I just don't understand the positional or the defensive strategy in that situation to just go, well, we've dealt with this situation. We've dealt with the first situation, so let's just go, you know, schoolboy tactics and let's just get drawn to the ball as as per. Um, and yeah, like I said, the, the attack, there's been no attack in the threat whatsoever. Miofsky and Duke have not been involved in the game at no. all. I would expected goals for the first half is 0.07 in that first half. Kamarks is 1.43. Kamarks had 14 shots that are two in that first half. Truly, truly woeful, woeful stuff. Coulson, I think, was struggled, was a doubt before the game. That was obvious from the first couple of minutes because he was not at the races at all. I'm not surprised that we saw him hooked before half time. He shouldn't have lasted as long as he did. No, he shouldn't have. I agree about that as well completely. Uh, Vinny Pajowin, who um, has made a miraculous recovery from his illness, back on now. It looks to me like we've, we have changed shape. We've gone to a back four. Um, but it's like it's like Graham said, it's gonna have to be one hell of a team talk at half time here, isn't it? If, unless Jim Goodwin wants to avoid, I don't know, is he under enough pressure here that if the result stays the same way that this is insurmountable for him? Would be four defeats on the spin. We currently, as we stand at this moment in time at half time, we have the we we have only conceded one less goal in the in league this season now than the United have this season now. Bear in mind. They had a nine and two fours against them so far this season. We're currently sitting in fourth as we as we go at the moment, but there's we could easily be sitting down in fifth or sixth the way the results are looking just now as well before the evening finishes. Rugby Park has been a graveyard for Aberdeen managers of the past. Also been a graveyard for Graham's wallet in the past. It has, <laughs> absolutely. Um, this is going to put some real pressure on, isn't it? Unless he can somehow turn this around. I well, A couple of pinches of salt here. It's the P&J and it's in the BBC gossip column. But according to this, quotes attributed to, to Jim Goodwin that he's under pressure, and the Kamara game is a must-win. So if you don't win your must-wins, where does that leave you? Absolutely. Um, I think, on that note, or Gav? Well, I, I don't know if it's insurmountable, but like I say, we're just we're coming to that point of January transfer window. It's the one chance a new manager gets to come in and put his stamp on the squad. I don't want to be in the situation again where we you know, stick with good win and maybe bring one or two in, and then the form doesn't turn around, then February comes around, and that's when we decide to change the manager. And for the third season in a row, we've just, you know, throwing a season away. So I think there's real decisions for the for the board to be to look at if things do not turn around in the next 45. Absolutely. Um I can see the teams that are about to come back out onto the park at Rugby Park. So we'll leave it here, lads. That's our halftime analysis. We'll be back again after this break, after another 45 at Rugby Park. Who knows what's going to happen? We'll see you on the other side. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> so it's uh, full time is just gone at Rugby Park. It's finished come on out to Aberdeen one. Uh, Aberdeen finally getting a goal back in the second half through Matty Kennedy's free kick but truth be told there was nothing in that second half to improve anyone's mood was there lads oh the free kick aside that was a, a Graham Steele special from <laughs> Messer Kennedy um, but how very very fitting that we get that little glimmer of hope and then it's compounded by the uh, by the corner kick uh, dying seconds of the game everyone up kill Roos again because that always works and uh yeah, just an overhit corner, uh, reminiscent of the Epsco Vidal days when we had the old flying V being led by by Kevin Rukovic. Um, yeah, that was painful. Really poor. I mean, 2-1 might suggest that there was some sort of football match and, and we were <laughs> participating in it, but that is not the reality. We weren't in the first half and we weren't in the second half. Really, really just shit all round. Uh, very few of the players that 
retained their position on the pitch, improved, and the substitutions that came on were impotent. Yeah, I mean, we ended up... Jim Goodwin clearly found Jimmy Caldwood's old, old tombola at Rugby Park, and at one point we had five attacking players on the pitch, but still just spent most of the game, whenever we are in possession, just knocking about our back line. Um, and still looked incredibly prone to being caught out on the counter as well by Kilmarnock. Um, I mean, knocking about our back line suggests there was some kind of calm and measured approach to what we were doing. <laughs> well, you know, just like... Ricocheting around Smashing it around line. a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, Finding the nearest blue and white shirt. <laughs> around our back line. <laughs> I am... Um, Honestly, I, I thought, you know, you'd think there'd be a rocket at halftime and players might come out, you know, fighting for it and, and showing some sort of desire. And there was absolutely scant evidence of that, it's fair to say. Nothing changed. I, I mean, other than some guys came off and some guys came on, that was literally it. There may or may not have been tactical switches and stuff, but it had zero impact on the game and nobody looked like they were particularly bothered or concerned about that. Is that the worst of the season so far? Um, it's going to be right up there and partly the result, but I wouldn't, I can't think of too many games this season where I could probably look at everyone on the pitch and say none of them were bothered, but I probably could say that tonight. Yeah. Don't disagree with that point. Um, <sighs> Tannadice will take some beating just purely because I was there. But, yeah, um, I agree. But, that, but at least, um, at least at Tardice for the fifteen twenty minutes after half time, we actually like had a proper go at United for a bit, and we said at the time if we'd scored, I think we probably uh, during that period, I think we'd probably go on and draw that game, and then we kind of capitulated after the penalty kick again. But at least there was some sort of fighting desire after half time. Tonight there was nothing, absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've never kind of give a game for a long time where. Aberdeen players would receive the ball and maybe trundle forward two or three yards and then just chop back and find the the safest option. I mean, Jack McKenzie's, um, you know, when you play FIFA and like you slam on R1 and then you toggle the analog stick to get them to do their specialty skill. <laughs> it appeared to be that a 180 degree turn in the direction of our own goal was Jack McKenzie's uh, speciality tonight. Uh, yeah, nothing, no intensity, no desire. Uh, the game changed a little bit in the sense that Kilmarnock weren't creating the volume of chances. I think they obviously decided just to kind of press us whenever they did, but they also just wanted to soak up our pressure. I mean, we made... I can see Gary's already got himself involved in some uh, Dennett McInnes chat um, on, on the old twits. Try not remember to. When Gary, remember when Gary said uh, that the that was that was, that conversation had died after the Pataudry game? How, should have died. Very, he still should die. I remember when he also said he's not the one that argues with people on Twitter. Uh, that's very true but what we've done tonight is we've given ammunition to the idea that we would have been better off with Ash Taylor because we've just played into his hands for for 19 minutes there and made him look like a a pretty pretty solid defender yeah I'm I'm astounded by just how lacking I mean to go down the the Craig Brown route I don't think Kilmarnock goalkeepers had a save to make in that second half or the first or maybe even the first, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, think he has. has. Yeah, the one where he, he, I think it was in the second half, came out of his, well, stone his box, yeah. off his line to save from Miofsky or to take the ball uh, from Miofsky. Yeah, but that was it. Otherwise, he could have been inside nice and warm with a cup of cocoa. It's, it's, it wasn't, I think, to answer your question, yeah, it's uh, whether it's the worst or not is maybe up for debate, but still pretty horrendous. 
it's four defeats from four now after the World Cup break. We're down into fourth spot in the table after the results tonight. Um, I think we're only one point above eighth now. Um, Hearts move three points clear of us in third, and they have a game in hand. Um, this run since the World Cup break has been astonishing for just quite how bad it has been. And it leaves a lot of question marks around what on earth we spent the World Cup break doing, to be quite frank. Um, so much so for... I mean, Jim Goodwin said that when he came in the door at Aberdeen that the defence is the easiest part to fix. And, well, that is going to be the words on Jim Goodwin's managerial gravestone at Pataudry, I imagine. It's Tombstone. But, yeah, it's Tombstone. What did I say? It's Gravestone. <laughs> That's not even a thing, is it? This is what drinking does to you. Um can can he can he recover from this? The um the issue will be that um you know obviously we're all watching this from home um but you could kind of clearly audibly hear the uh the chance of sacked in the morning and you're fucking shit and it sounded like that was coming from a pretty vocal element of the Aberdeen sport and uh much in the same way that Stephen Glass I felt when uh, we were at Dens Park when the when the support turn I think in the modern era, and uh, people can harp back to the good old days when we like Fergie like went through a hard time at Man United and came through it. But today, when the support are as loud and as omnipresent as they are, um, both in the stands and online, I think it's a really hard situation to come back from. And like I say, I think the board have got a very, a very real decision to take. You know, Dave Cormack gave him the the vote of confidence via Twitter earlier in the week but yeah it's kind of what I said in the halftime uh, review that we either we either back into the hilt in January to fix things or we do what we've done the last two transfer windows in January and just you know half arse it and come February Jim Goodwin's at the door and we've thrown another season away um, so it um, I'm not sure if he can survive it I'm not sure if it's at the point now if it's just a matter of when not if and that'll be maybe a decision the board have to take sooner rather than later. Graham? I think if he's if he's still here at the end of the year, which is literally just a couple of days away now, then I assume that means he's going to be here and he's going to get the January window because if we go... Basically, if we make the same mistake twice, which is dither, get through a window with zero investment in the squad, effectively hanging the manager out to dry and then sack him and then make it really difficult for the replacement to come in, you know, if we basically do the same thing twice, two seasons running, that there's a bigger problem there. Three seasons running, actually, is a good point. Then, you know, there's more than just the manager and the squad. That's the people running the club demonstrating yeah. that they don't really know what they're doing. So there are a lot of things here that are quite critical over and above just what do you do with the manager. The one thing I would say to that, just in addition to that, is that I do struck. I don't think that the chairman will have the... Will be willing to come down from his statement. I think he will be stubborn he doubles down. and stick with his stick with his man. And if he does that, then it's what I said on Twitter. It's all well and good saying it's going to take two or three windows, but you have to back the manager in that situation. That's, that's exactly what I'm going to say. If you're going to go, basically, if you're going to be vocal and you're going to make statements, you've got you got to be you got to be trustworthy, and people can take get your word. And if he said that, which I see he did, then you've got no choice other than to invest in the squad again come January. But but with this sort of caveat that theoretically we're pursuing a philosophy and there's a blueprint for how we're going to play. So 
cycling out to the coach is less of an issue because you're not necessarily ripping everything up the way you would have done back in the day when you've got a manager who's got total control. Now, I'm not really seeing a great deal to suggest that there is a philosophy and a plan such that we wouldn't end up just starting from zero if we changed how good went out. How very dare you, Graham. Our philosophy clearly identified playing a back three with only one centre-back in it. <laughs> well, that was a ball call. But this is the thing, though, isn't it? I think it goes back to... I've highlighted again tonight on Twitter to people, go back and listen to the Lee, the Lee Scott interview that we did. Um, I think all of us imagined that the setup was going to be one where the manager was kind of removed from, or not removed completely, but further removed away from the recruitment side of things. And this would be driven by director of football, setting a style, setting a structure. You find players to meet the structure, which, as you say, makes cycling in and cycling out coaches theoretically easier. You're just trying to identify coaches who've worked with a, ses- a setup and a system successfully before. So whether that's 433 or 4231 or whatever it might be. And they've got tools at their disposal there already that they can play with. But then it became quite apparent to me in the conversation with Lee was that Jim Gooden appeared to have much more of a central figure in the recruitment strategy and how we went about our business than I think we'd imagined. And that does potentially cause a challenge when you get back to this idea. And I could see people on Twitter tonight saying it doesn't need to be a massive rebuild. It should just be a couple of players here and there. And I, I, I tend to agree with that. But at the same time, any manager who comes in is going to sit and go, like that guy, like that guy. He's shit, he's shit, he's shit. And we've signed, I think the majority of our players we signed in the window, in the summer window, other than the loan players, obviously, they've all signed a three or four year contracts. So these are not going to be guys that, it's not like Glass last season where you had a bunch of guys coming to the end of their contracts and it was easy just to let them go at the end of their contracts. Or you had like Zagalkin and Bates who you just had to make a decision on, we'll let them try and find clubs and we'll obviously come to some sort of agreement on those. It's not quite as easy this season because you're going to have players, and I'm not picking on Shaden Morris, but he's the one that obviously sticks out because I think he, was he a four-year deal? I think Shaden Morris was, yeah. He's had very limited game time. It's hard to judge whether he's any good or not. The initial signs are not ideal. But when a new manager comes in and goes, don't rate him at all, then you're like, here's a guy you've got who's on a four-year contract who we paid 400 grand for, we paid four Tommy Wrights for. And and a new manager's going to have to basically say, well, I want either a shot at him or we're going to be sit with a guy like him on the books for the, for the foreseeable future. This is where there does become a challenge. And I'm not saying that Shade, the Shade and Morris example might be a bad one because he might have been identified through the, the scouting network and the recruitment. And that's that's how that's come about. And Jim Goodwin might have had nothing to do with that, for example. Anthony Stewart is clearly a Jim Goodwin signing because Goodwin admitted in the summer window that uh, Stewart was the guy he tried to sign for St Mirren. So that was clearly out of the Goodwin pile, if we want to say, you know. It's, it could be a challenging, challenging position we end up in if we do look to switch out managers again, because we've got a number of these guys on big deals. I think Stuart's the only one who's on a two-year deal, I think. Um, because I think of his age. Roos, perhaps. Maybe Roos, maybe Roos as well. Um, it's not good. It's an absolute mess, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's an absolute mess where we are right now. Well, then you, you go into the hypothetical scenario of let's just say Goodwin is, you know, dismissed tomorrow morning. And then where do we go for the next manager? And, you know, do we revert to a more, um, an appointment that's perhaps more familiar with the setup that we were presented with? 
all that time ago? Or we, do we go this way? We think, I think the three of us and a number of people thought that we went with Goodwin where it's play it safe and let's get an experienced coach in that knows the league and wants control and it's going to play like this way and blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, there's, there's clearly, I think even Goodwin in the summer referenced that he wanted more say in the transfer mm-hmm. side he of did. things than he, uh, than perhaps Glass had been um, allowed or presented with. It's, yeah, and that's just, it's it's led to, yeah, we're not, uh, I'm just we're, not telling you, we're not telling you anything you don't already know, that they are, our squad is, you know, massively imbalanced. And like you say, the it's not been set up in that way that we thought where, yeah, the manager is not necessarily the most imperative part of the recruitment. Recruitment is the director of football and the manager comes in and plays for a certain way. That has clearly not happened because we were told we're going to play 4 2 3 1, we're going to play 4 3 3. And instead, tonight, we've stuck with this system that we've identified in the last episode hasn't worked as far yeah. as, you know, making us harder to beat or harder score goals against. And we stuck with it with, I mean, jokes aside, there was one guy in there that plays center back. Yeah. I know. Why, why, what is, why are we so stuck to that when we have the personnel on the bench to go back to the way we were? In theory, I imagine the summer trained to play, and we have it's, the personnel in place. And then, but we go to this really defensive mindset away to let's be fair, Kilmarnock were, you know, they were fine tonight, they were good, but they've been pretty terrible through the season. Well, this is what I was going to say. Look at the numbers now. We've lost the same number of games now this season in the league as Kilmarnock, as Dundee United. Um, no matter what way you look at, zero points taken from Rugby Park, Tarradice, Easter Road, whatever they call Livingston Stadium these days, and St Mirren. It's not good That's enough. It's not make good reading for a team that have aspirations of, you know, third place minimum and challenging for trophies. It's not going to happen. I said at the time, Kilmarnock were the worst team I've seen at Pathology so far this season. They're the worst team I've seen in the league this season. Kilmarnock are only six points behind us at the moment. And I'd I'd, be, I'd find it hard to believe Derek McInnes has had an easier night at Rugby oh. Park in his time he's been there since... Uh, Absolutely. Other than tonight. Look at these numbers as well. Since we've come back from the World Cup break, we have allowed opposition teams to have 80 shots against us in those four games. We've, we've had 30 in comparison. It's an average of 20 shots per game. Gav's trying to do his maths. I can see Gav's got some fingers out. I'm, out in his I'm trying to work on. out the uh, conversion rates that you guys were chatting about the other night. <clears throat> oh, 80 to how many goals is that? Nine, is it? Two. Two tonight. Three. three five, eight, nine. Yeah. It's so what's that? Uh, slightly just over, just over, over 10%. 10%. Yeah. <laughs> Still, but, so so better than Kilmarnock. Yeah, I mean, well, Kilmarnock probably have had their numbers shot up, I imagine, tonight. Well, um, anyone would have their conversion rates shot up when they're playing Kelrus. Um, what was I going to say? I had, I had something else I was going to bring to the table, but it's completely just gone out of my mind. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Do we think that the has the Celtic game, has the way we set up in the Celtic game, has it just ripped apart confidence within our squad, do you think? This idea of being told, you can't compete, you're not good enough, you have to defend for 90 minutes against this team. Has that mentality just like swept through the squad now? All I was going to say is I wish we had defended for 90 minutes. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I don't know. But I mean, when you go back to the chat about, you know, whether whether the chairman or the board stick with the manager... The, the concerning factor tonight is definitely, I think, goes back to what 
I'm sure it was Theo Tencat said, you know, you don't sack a manager because the results are not what you want them to be. You sack a manager when the players are not buying into what he's, what he's presenting them anymore. And tonight, significant evidence that there is a number of players in that team that are not playing for that manager now. And uh, I think Gray mentioned in the last episode, it's what happens is what happens. It's never going to be the manager. It's never going to be all the players that go. It's going to be the manager because that's the easiest way to do it. If if that's the case, then yeah, he has to go. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know what to, to say because, <laughs> like, you know, the run of form we've been on, you look at just like the results are not good enough. That's absolutely correct. But I can't think of many of those games where we were actually in those games either. I know. But I know Celtic scored late, so people will say, oh, we were in the game. And yes, going by the time of the score, yes, we were. But watching the game and being at the game, we should have been down in the first half. Yeah. How we got to that far was incredible. I guess Rangers for about 50 minutes were probably in the game. And then we made the change to sit sit True, but then catastrophic collapse. Yeah. And then prior to that... We're 1-0 up against Sidmiron until Stuart sells the jersey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. But even then, it's only... That one's a little different because I guess you get a man, a man sent off uh, and it is only half an hour. I suppose for me, like the results are garbage and I'm not seeing much over the course of a 90-minute game where I think uh, there's something in there that's just not quite clicking. There's there's either nothing, likes of tonight, or we capitulate. And I don't like either of those two things. And either of those two things aren't good enough regardless of what level you claim to be at or aspire to be at well I mean for me when we went 1-0 down tonight I just thought of the stat that Gary brought up on the last show which was that we've not come back from a losing position all season yeah and yeah the writing was on the wall from there and you know you just that's not sustainable in any form that's really not is it it really isn't and and this is the thing I know that we spoke about it before I mean I think I'm now at the point of I I think that it's I don't think Goodwin can turn us back around again now, to be brutally honest. And I'll be, I'll happily sit and eat some humble pie if we happen to be sitting with a cup or two coming into the season. But I'd be amazed if that was to happen. I, I can't see how we can turn this around right now. Um, and it, it does. It brings me back to the stuff when we spoke to Joel Sked about this, about how too often in football people wait till it's catastrophically awful before making a decision. Um, this has got all the hallmarks now of our season completely dying off a cliff. We spoke, Graham and I spoke about this in the last episode about just where we're going, you know, but you look at our next run of fixtures. Okay. We've got Ross County who are the worst team in the league. Objectively, because they're sitting bottom of the table tonight and um, have been beating three. Yeah, but you know what we like to do tonight? Oh, exactly. Come on down, Malky McKay. Bring your racist views and here's three points. Um, St. Johnston come uh, the following Saturday, you know, we know what St. Johnson are like, and St. Johnson are doing well this season. We know what they'll be like in pathology. They will make it difficult for us. League Cup semi final. Um, then we'll wait at Tyne Castle, which now looks like a huge game. I mean, like I said earlier on, Hearts are now three points clear of us, despite all the injury problems, despite their European travails that they had. They're now three points clear of us in third with a game in hand. Um, that Hearts game at Tyne Castle was massive. Then the following Monday, we go to Darvel. I tell you what, are Darvel not sitting, rubbing their hands right now, having watched Aberdeen tonight? And then we're away at Hibs. You know, these are not, it's not a run of fixtures that are particularly favourable. No, I mean, you, especially, you, you just think like, you know, 
County get a point, St. Johnston get a late goal. Yeah. You know, Rangers scud us in the semi-final. Yeah, yeah, that's the situation where yeah, this season can just torpedo. And, you know, we're not that far away from from any, from even like even the danger zone. Um, so, yeah, some uh, some real thinking has to be done. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether we stick or twist. If it was you, what are you doing? Off the back of that, I think I'd be inclined to make a change. Graeme? I, I really don't know. I, I've said it a million times, I don't understand how Jim Cooper got the job. So I don't have any... This is just like, you know, what I'm talking about here is Jim Gooden, the manager of Aberdeen. I've got nothing that sort of really I'm seeing that I like and I'm struggling to see how he got it. I'm kind of struggling to see what he's actually trying to do because the results are garbage. But there's a bit of me, you know, you are talking about someone's job, so it's easy to sit here and say, ah, Benham, you know, the one that has to make that call. And I'm also, are we just going to be caught in this loop of hiring and firing? We could be the SPFL's Watford. Yeah, worked, I, I know. I, know. <laughs> I really want it to work for a good one. But off the back of that, I just, there was nothing in that performance from the players on the pitch that suggested me that they're really fighting for the manager. And when the fans turn, I think it's hard to come back from. Yeah. If it's just a case of, you know what, there's no one immediately available that comes to mind, Barry Robson, get him a support staff in place, give him the season. I think... I can't see how things could get much worse than what we've been through the last few games and then reevaluate and, you know, actually get a proper fucking structure in place because we haven't got one right now. Despite all the presentations we can make to the contrary, it's clear we don't. Yeah, uh, I agreed. I think I said earlier on, for me, I, I don't see how he pulls this one around now. Um, so I think it's, uh, it feels like it's two and a half Graham feels like he's inching his way towards it, but just doesn't want to quite say it. But what I will say again, once again, if if they do stick with him, they need to back him in January. It, well, two reasons. One, obviously, he would be the you know the manager in the seat at the time. But the squad is lopsided, unbalanced. The squad needs work. He doesn't have enough players to play the way we think we're supposed to be playing as a start. Yeah. So the squad needs investment full stop, that cannot stop just because you're not sure about the manager. So either this whole setup philosophy thing means that it doesn't matter or if it doesn't work the way I think it does and the manager currently has more control than maybe the predecessor or maybe our understanding is, then you have to get rid because you can't you can't dither in January on your squad investment because you're not sure what to do with the manager. So if you don't trust them, you have to get rid of them. You have to do it now because you need someone in at some point during the transfer window to hopefully have some sort of say in what they want. Um, otherwise, we are just going to be falling to the foot of the table. People like me are looking further up the food chain than the manager right now. And There's a whole bunch get... of people involved. That's true. The manager is the first one that gets the bullet. Yep. But... You got to look at all the players. You got to look at the people that recruited the manager. You got to look at the people that are recruiting the people that recruit the manager. It goes all the way to the top. Nobody escapes uh, finger pointing. In this one, it's just unfortunate. It's always the manager's the most high profile profile figure to go 
first of all, but he's by no means the root cause of everything that's happening, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely is not. That's that will be if the club is not backed in January, that's three seasons sabotaged by this ownership. Yes, which then calls into question do we have the right people in the right positions? And no. Clearly the answer would have to be no, because three foul ups in a row suggests that uh, it's not working. Well, there we go. I think we'll um wrap up there, shall we? That's a wonderfully depressing way to wrap up our first instant so what, so what's, uh, what, what have your guys uh, highs of 2022 been supporting Aberdeen That's... I highlighted earlier my highs were uh, Jets missing that open goal against just Edinburgh because that was amazing um, Duke's goal at Ross County brilliant then my lows are a minute later at Ross County <laughs> Tana Dice Rangers of the Week Rangers under Goodwin initially, um, when they all had their ponchos on. Tynecastle under Goodwin, that was brutal. Tanadice, have I said Tanadice already? I might have done. Celtic the other week was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Hibs at home was fun. Hibs at home was really fun. Hibs at home was fun. The bar game was fun. Hibs at home was fun, that's true. Kamarik at home was also kind of funny. Um... Because they were garbage and we just took them to pieces. Uh, Slim pickings, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more in uh, the negative column than there is in the positive column. To be honest, I'll I'll go for Leighton Clarkson's first goal against Sydney. Was pretty pretty spectacular. Hibbs was pretty good. Um, the day I found out Alan Russell was no longer employed by the club, hmm. I enjoyed that. Uh, Lowe's, yeah, I'll double down on Tanner Dice. Um, the viewing tonight at Rugby Park, a number of fixtures towards the back end of last season. Um, and also a notable high, of course, the uh, the Fergie homecoming and his the statue unveiling, and then his homecoming at Pataudry. We played at Dundee and drew 1 1. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Um, well, there we go. Well, that wraps up for the evening, I think. Wraps, up, wraps us up for 2022 wraps up for the year just about thank you to everyone who's listened to the show this year we'll get this one out as soon as we can uh, join us it might be in the new year might will it come out in the new year I don't know we might get out before the new year who knows uh, we'll do be. a Ross County preview for episode 78 and my favourite game with Tom Watt it's Hearts nil Aberdeen 4 from the early 90s an absolute doozy of a game some happy memories to leave you with towards the back end of 2022 but on behalf of Graham and Gavin and myself thank you very much stand free we'll see you on the other side imagine the Ross County preview will just be you know talking about how Malky McKay's bring his Jim Davis and DVDs on the on the team bus as long as it's like it's Jim Goodwin DVDs <laughs> no maybe it'd be good if he did <laughs> This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the 
bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Coder Stadium for free on match days. Come on you Reds!